Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Praise God. Let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 5, uh, sorry, chapter 25, beginning with verse 5 to verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5 to verse 10. Amen. The apostle spoke to Archippus, and he said to him in Colossians chapter 4, he said, take heed to the ministry that you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And he wrote those words and spoke those words because fulfilling our ministry is not automatic. I remember speaking to a returned pastor, and he said to me, I must confess, I look back, and I look back to the time when I was on the field, and I think I became a hobby pastor. And when he said those words, you could feel the sadness and there was a shame in his voice, and he was by God's grace now seeking to turn his ministry around and cause his life to change that tag. And I want to this morning, by the Spirit of God, I want to save you from that sadness. I want to challenge your ministry. I want to challenge your life by examining a text together that is found in Deuteronomy 25. It is a text about widows and barrenness. It's a text about legacy and a man without a shoe. It's a text on fruitfulness and a hope for the future. And I want to preach about barefoot ministries, about keeping your shoes on, from Deuteronomy chapter 25, beginning with verse 5. It says, if brothers dwell together, and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go in, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will Succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go to the gate of the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city call him shall call him, and they shall speak to him. And if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of all the elders, shall remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer, 
so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. Barefoot ministries, keeping your shoes on. I want to look with you, first of all, this morning at the reproach of a lost name. Now, our text is about a Leverite marriage. That's what they're called. It's not, uh, it's not speaking about the tribe of Levi, but derived from a Latin word, levia, meaning a husband's brother. And the issue of our text is what to do if there is no son. What do we do if a brother dies and there is no son? And the text starts with, if brothers dwell together. Because to be included in the discussion of fruitfulness, you have to be dwelling together. If you're going to be involved in this discussion of fruitfulness, then you've got to be in right relationship with your brothers and your family home. The distant pastor, the one who is in enmity with his parents, his mother church, the one who has issues with his own pastor is not going to be included in this conversation. This is for those who dwell together. The man that's doing his own thing, the man of an independent spirit, the self-willed. The man that resists all input and accountability will only get to a certain point in ministry and no more. Fruitfulness is not a subject that is going to be raised anymore by heaven. And here's the point before we begin. Until you address this issue of your relationships with one another, with your headship, with your brethren, this conference will have minimal impact on the growth of your church. You can hear every sermon, but until you address your independent spirit, you're going to get to so far and no more. The whole passage rests on the fear that a man could have no lasting influence. In our text, it's talking verse 6, that it shall be that the firstborn son, which he bears, will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. When Boaz was interceding for Ruth and speaking and saying, we need to buy the field from Ruth, in chapter, uh, chapter 4 of Ruth 4 verse 10, it says that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. We perhaps easily understand the land. We know about, we understand about the need to keep it in the family. But Boaz says, you need to buy this land, not just for his name, but also his position at the gate. Because Boaz was, was stating a truth that life is to have an influence and that someone's life is not to be lost, that someone's influence, God designed that it would be passed down, and to lose any evidence of living was an anathema. It was a terrible thing. It was the worst nightmare. We go into eternity, and we find one of the horrors of eternity is having your name not found in the book of life. Having no name in eternity, 
It's not written in the Lamb's book of life. That was the horrors of horrors. We're looking for the name and there is none. And yet it's not just in eternity that horror exists. It's the fact that even in this life, that you can be born with a name and somewhere it gets lost and there's no lasting impact. To have lived and nobody dead or alive knows the name. And the whole text is about the fear of that, that someone could be in the kingdom of God amongst the people of God and somehow lose their name and the whole family's responsibility, each one doing their part and doing their best to ensure that a brother's life counted. And that's the essence of discipleship. That you care that another man's life has influence and his influence lasts. Discipleship is the sincere desire for another man to fulfill the will of God for his life. And each church and each pastor needs to have a commitment and a concern that each man in their family has a lasting influence and that he lives for the eternal. That This is what's called, we're talking about making disciples for Christ. So let's consider, secondly, barefooted ministries. Because in our text, we find in verse 10, and his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. The house, literally, of the barefooted one. That there was going to be men that had their sandal removed because they were unwilling. And this unwillingness was going to affect his whole house. Those under his care were going to be affected. We're talking about a church with a barefooted pastor. The elders have spoken to him. They're speaking to him about this issue. They're contending with him. But the reality is he can't be forced because fruitfulness and discipleship only works if he is personally engaged, if he has taken upon himself a personal commitment. And then his brother's wife shall come to him in our text in the presence of the elders and they shall rem- he, she shall remove his sandal from his foot and spit in his face and answer and say, so shall be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house and his name shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal removed. Such a shocking thing uh, uh, in the mind of this woman, in the mind of this culture, in the mind of the kingdom is a man who would not give of himself who would not engage himself with all that he is in the issue of legacy. 
in the issue of another man having his name and his influence extended. Jesus' own scorching words were, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So what's going on here? In our text, the dead brother receives no condemnation. This message is not for the dead man. This message is not for the couple, for the man that is laying it all down, who's giving everything. This is the anguish of his soul. He gets up every morning and he's praying for revival. He's giving himself to the men in his church. He's looking, he's praying, he's asking. His whole life is given to this. He's dying a thousand deaths. And yet, as of this moment has not experienced the birthing of their hopes, dreams, and efforts, he's dead, but there is no shame. He's dead because you still have a future in God. Let me tell you, dead brothers have hope. Dead brothers that are giving themselves have hope because uh, periods of ministry struggle. Don't write your epitaph, my brother. Our God is the God of the resurrection. This is not a message to dead brothers. This is a message to those that have refused to die because Jesus in John chapter 12 verse 24 says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. See, in our text, the elders have drawn this man, and they're calling him, and they're speaking to him. And he says, he stands firm, and he says, I do not want to take her. The elders are anguishing because they are preaching to influence the next generation for the harvest field. They're trying to influence their congregations to raise money and send more workers. And they want to be able to show the fruitfulness of a brother, of the brethren. But this brother's really just not that interested you know, I remember as a young pastor, I was horrified. Years ago, I was in Australia and I was talking to a friend and I knew that he'd been told by his pastor that, that unless, he, unless he really bore fruit, he was going to have to come back. And, and so I'm asking him, I knew that about him, and I said, so what are you doing? And he said, well, he said, he said well, my wife and I, uh, uh, we, we pass out leaflets for an hour on a, on a Saturday and you know, we'll do that one week, and then the next Saturday, we'll kind of, there's, a, there's a community event, and we go down there, and we hope to make contacts, contacts. I remember listening to him, and there was no sense of, there was no sense of reproach. There was just no sense of desperation. There was no sense in his life that, my brother, this matters. Because the deeper issue sometimes is simply self-will. I do not want to pay a price for this. There was no sense of fellowship. 
There's no sense of a larger picture of what our lives are accomplishing. There's no sense of the impact of what we're making upon the Waltham Forest Church. There's no sense of men's names. You see, we can have God's will, Pastor Mitchell has taught us. We can replace it with our own will and call it God's will. And when we are living our destiny and our ministry on our terms, we will go barefooted. When we are still living and how we live and what we do is based on our terms, we're going to go barefooted. Because what we're talking about is the realm of the hidden. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. You know, Onan, we talk about the sin of Onan. Genesis 38, verse 8 to 10. You know what? Just before I go on, I know that we're, we're going, we're going for it this morning. And we're going for it, and I want to challenge you by the Spirit of God. I want to challenge you. I, 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 want the, the, I believe, God, we are living in the end times, and you are sitting here as a man of destiny. And my prayer is that you will never come to a point in your life where you will look back at your ministry, and you will say, you know what? I could have given more. I could have, I could have, I, I wasn't that serious about it. We look at the life of Onan in Genesis 38 and, 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 and verse 8 to 10. And Judah said to Onan, go into your brother's wife and marry her. Raise up an heir to your brother. But Onan knew that the heir would not be his. And it came to pass that when he went to his brother's wife, that he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he killed him also. The sin of Onan, amongst perhaps many things, is he didn't want the shame of being barefooted. So he didn't want to say, no, I'm not going to take her, so that she would take off his sandal and spit in his feet. He didn't want that. No, 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 yeah, 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 I'll leave my shoes on, I'll. He's going to take the wife. 
he's going to enjoy the benefits of ministry, but in reality, he's just going through the motions. In his heart, he has no intent. He's not serious about this. To all that are looking, he's a married man. He's, he's married this woman. He's going to raise up a seed and a child. But it's not this one thing that I do. It's not this one thing I do is to bear fruit. He's going to dabble. He's going to be a hobby pastor. Because fruitfulness, though it is manifest on the outside, it is always born in privacy. What you do in the secret place is what is eventually manifested on the outside. My brother, I'm challenging you head on about your prayer life. I'm challenging you about, about your commitments, about your growth, about your seriousness, about the Word of God. I, none of us have arrived. None of us have got to the place where we say, well, I'm really, you know, all of us. All of us should get up every day and say, I want to be better today than I was yesterday. I want today to count for the kingdom. I want my life to make a difference in church and in life and in ministry. We are called uh, uh, pastors and what we do in the secret place. Because if we're not careful, it becomes smokes and mirrors. And if we're not careful, we become like Ruth's closest relative who when uh, uh, the Bible says uh, in, in, in Ruth 4, 6, uh, the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself for I cannot redeem it. It is possible to come to a point in ministry where now we don't want it to affect our own family. When our own family and we don't want any disruption to our own lifestyle. And he sees another option. And the other option is Boaz. The other option is Boaz will cover up for him his fruitlessness. And his whole life becomes hiding to make it look like we're fruitful. That every time we do a men's discipleship, it always has to include everybody in the area. Our photos of our churches always include a revival meeting or a wedding. We're claiming full-time ministry, but our wife is working long hours and for the long term. We're making claims of revival, but actually the people in our church or either came from other churches, either our churches or other religious churches. And if we're not careful, my brother, is we've refused to pay the price in the hidden place, and we become men that are, that are, that are, that are, that are hiding behind the fellowship without looking clearly our text said she, he will not perform his duty because it's not about how we feel, actually. It's a Christian obligation and a responsibility. The elders in our text are saying to this brother, you must produce something. 
You cannot continue like this. And I know in the past we've had men in our fellowship that have violated uh, uh, the pastors under them. You know, every service uh, you've got to give a report. Uh, every service you've got to explain. You know, they're, they're, we're not talking about some violation. But the elders are not the bad guys here. They're not the bad guys to be coming and demanding an explanation, demanding a challenge. Well, they're putting, you're putting pressure on me. You're putting, you, you know, they're putting pressure on me. Why, why are you making? Because the elders come and say, you. Because it's a problem when the elders are more concerned about your legacy than you are. I had a friend of mine, he was dealing with a missionary, and he's challenging the missionary. We're putting a lot of money into you. This friend of mine speaking to this missionary, and he's saying, we're putting, you know, and challenging him about the lack of fruitfulness. And, and the missionary got the hump, you know, he gets a bit up, he's getting all upset. And he says, well, what do you want? He said to him, he said, to him, uh, uh, he said what do you want to see? Okay, think about that. Well, what do you want to see, Pastor? Well, what do you want to see? So, okay, let's think that through. Imagine the pastor said, well, I'd like to see 15 people. Okay, great, 15 people. I want to see 30 people. I want to see... The issue is not what does... What do you want to see? What, 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 this has to be in you. The brother has a sacred task, and that is to cause another brother to have a lasting name, to cause someone else to have a lasting name. So I want to close about making disciples because fruitfulness has a time frame. You know, we speak of the virility of youth, right? Don't look at me like that. I mean, you know what I'm saying, the virility of youth. Our text is speaking of widows and dead men, but it's also speaking of a brother with a time frame to make a difference before he gets too old or dies himself. He has a time frame to bear fruit. See, here's what I see. If we, we get sent out, and if we don't bear fruit quickly, if we don't hit the ground running, and if we don't, we don't see and we don't bear fruit quickly, if we don't start making disciples in the early years of going out the older you are, the harder it becomes. I'm not talking about age, physical age. I'm talking about the older we are in ministry. Because we go out, here's the enemy's intention. You go out and you don't see you're young and virile. And, and you go out and you don't see what you thought you would. Time passes battles happen. And now the job becomes more rewarding. We're getting older, and the standards of our living, the desires for standing of, standard of living increases. Because we don't want to live like we used to live when we were 20. When we were 20, when we first went out, we didn't care. When we first got married, we didn't care. But when we get older, now we want the house. We want the holidays. We want the schools. Now the good job becomes even more critical. And I want to tell you, the enemy's aim is to get you in that place.
to wear you out, to get you to a place where you're just going through the motions without embracing the sandal. That we will get to a certain point and we're just going through the motions. I want to speak about putting on the sandal because our text, it is a given that this, this man will produce. It's a given because it's in him. The dead man's gone. Now it's looking to you because in you is the seed. Pastor Mitchell is, is teaching us over and over about the seed principle, the potential that God has put in every human being. All that is there, the seed, the kingdom of God is within you. And all that is in you, the potential to bear revival and fruitfulness and to disciple. Because there is a promise to those who will embrace it. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Pastor Des uh, Crosdale said to me one time, he's looking back at his ministry in Manchester, and he said, when I first went out, Pastor, he said, I hoped that I would have revival. Now I know that I can have it. But here's my point as I bring this to a close. Fruitfulness and descendants were promised to Abraham in old age. And now I want to speak to my elder brothers and my elder sons. And that is now fulfill your ministry in the Lord. When God spoke to Abraham in Romans 4.17, it spoke about a promise of life and contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, so shall your descendants be, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that he had what he had promised, that he had promised he was also able to uh, 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 perform. And I say to you, my older brother that are in this place, the seed and the promise is still in you. And in these last days, God is wanting to pour out his Spirit He's wanting to revive in you a supernatural dimension. The brothers would look back and say, you know what, maybe I've become a hobby pastor. Maybe the devil has beaten me up. Maybe I've not seen what I wanted to see. And now subtly and, 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 and distinctly I've lost my bearings and I'm just going through the motions, and I'm constantly just trying to look like I'm fruitful, and I'm just kind of surviving. And God would say to you, my elder brother, uh, that now is your time. Uh, 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 If you begin, the Bible says, in Israel, it's repeated uh, to raise up a name in Israel. You know, I know that this is all about Christ. 
our lives. He is our Redeemer. This is His message. This is His story. This is His will. This is His purpose. But our text is speaking about a man's name because I believe that our God wants your life to count. I believe that our God has chosen you and called you to bear fruit and fruit that will last, uh, that you will make a difference to your city, to your community, and to your nation, that you will give of yourself so that others can enter the kingdom. If you will give of yourself, if you will teach and impart to others the life of Christ so that they can make an impact for eternity, that they can have a lasting name, that there's something about your life that, imp- that challenges others to look to eternity, that challenges men to give themselves under the purposes of God. There's something about you that turns the sinner from their sin and, from the, um, and, and the saint under holiness and the purposes of God, that, there would be, that you would be urging, don't lose your name. You won't, just lose, you won't lose your inheritance, you'll gain it. Because those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. This word of God uh, uh, this morning is not to condemn. This word of God, for dead brothers, there's hope of resurrection. But I'm talking about those who would look back and say, I've been put in a place that I should not be. And as Pastor Success preached, I'm in a valley and I'm going to take dominion and I want that promise to come alive in me again that I would be a fruitful man, that there would be men under me, that their name would have a legacy, that they would not be lost, that their lives would make a difference. Let's bow our heads together. The Lord bless you. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Amen. Pastor Success. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.